I think one of the most important skills you can have as an actor professionally is to be able to go into an audition and walk out and forget you ever did it. That is HBO's vinyl actor, Jay Kleitz. And I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. Um, so out of college, I went straight into grad school to get my MFA. Uh, I went to the program at Harvard, uh, the American Repertory Theater, Moscow Art Theater. Those uh, three institutions together make up the larger institute. Um, so I did two years there to get my MFA, um, which was intense and crazy. And you spend three months in Moscow, which was like a wild, wild west, just complete madness. Um and then from there, you know, we, of course, we had the showcase at the end of, uh, of our program and got hooked up with a decent commercial agent who I'm still with after all these years, uh, got hooked up with a eh, kind of not so great legit agent, uh, thankfully moved on from them a few years later. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's in the beginning, of course, it was like everybody, man, you know, hustling and just praying for an audition, let alone an actual job, um, and, you know, working crappy day jobs. I worked in offices. I waited tables, you know, all the stuff that we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess, you know, in terms of like first big moments, um, you know, the, the commercial work has always been good to me. Uh, that's, you know, kept me alive in between the, the legit gigs. Um, so, Probably my first big moment, not probably, definitely my first big moment with that was uh, I booked these Capital One spots, uh, you know, watching your wallet stuff, and I went from, like, broke as a joke actor, working this, like, soul-sucking office job from, you know, Monday, Tuesday, I'm swimming off the back of a catered yacht in the harb- the Sydney Harbor in Australia, you know, like, catered yacht, like, about to go shoot these commercials where I'm just being, like, a an idiot you know it was amazing yeah um and that's what i love about this business you know i I think it uh it appeals to people who like gambling i've said that so many times it's so true it is so true yeah totally man and because you know from day one to day two everything can be different yeah um and like that, you know, and, and the same thing probably in, in terms of the legit side, my, my first big moment was, um, and I'm purposely using the term big moment, not big break, because uh, I think that's a really misleading and loaded term that people often use, because a lot of time you get a big break and it's great for a while, but then it's not so great for a while after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my first big moment in... Uh, legit wise was booking um uh high fidelity on broadway and uh that's that's based on the movie high fidelity yeah that's right uh in the book before that and which didn't last long unfortunately because it was a hell of a show it was so much fun but um you know we we did rehearsals here we did an out-of-town run in uh boston and then we came here and previewed and opened and closed fairly quickly uh, which is why I say sometimes a big break, I'm putting air quotes there, uh, is a big break, but only for a little while. <laughs> and then you're waiting tables for a bit after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, um, you know, luckily, man, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I've been very uh, lucky and, and excited to, to work sort of in 
all different genres of this business. Um, you have, like I said, I do a lot of commercial work. I do a lot of VO stuff. Uh, I've done some Broadway. I've done the guest starring on TV shows. I've got a cool recurring role coming up in HBO's Vinyl. Um, you know, I've done uh, some indie film. and I have a band. and We made a, a movie about the, the band that did pretty well for itself in the indie world. So it's it's been a wild up and down ride. Um, but I love it and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it's never boring. Never, never boring. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, I was looking online and, uh, why don't you tell me the story of Lester Crest? <laughs> yeah. So man, it's so funny. People friggin' love that. Uh, I don't play video games. I don't know. I don't have any idea who Lester Crest is. So you're talking yeah. about a complete neophyte here. Okay, so um, Lester Crest is one of the main-ish characters from Grand Theft Auto V, um, which uh, as a game, or actually as any media thing, period, meaning video games, books, movies, web, you know, anything, is the highest grossing media thing, period, ever wow. in human history, Wow, um, which is insane. And I feel like they owe me a little money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't care if they hear that either. <laughs> but uh, they, they uh, you know, it's funny, man. I auditioned for it through my commercial agent. Didn't even really know what the hell I was getting into. Uh, and it turned out to be this thing that I was working on on and off for like four or five years. And the dudes that actually make the games are killer. They're just great dudes and ladies. Um that you know that going they have a studio up in Glen Cove, Long Island, and uh, we're we're doing motion capture, right? We're in the whole like the suits with the sensor balls all over you, and these crazy helmets with the cameras that look back in your face, and you have to go in a room and get rommed, which is where you like sync up with the system, and then you go in the room that we actually shoot in, which is probably the size of a basketball court. And there are cameras 360 degrees, and they all are picking you up at all times. Um, wow. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's it's amazing actually what what it, what they do. You know, they they create and design the sets beforehand in terms of what you're going to see in the game, and then they create physical sort of skeleton representations of those sets. Meaning, if I walk up a set of stairs and go through a door and hang a left up the hallway and then go take a right into this room, they will set up stairs, a little swingy thing that acts as the door. So when I push it, it looks like I'm pushing open a door. And then I hang a left, walk across the planks, and then hang a right into this room. So they create the physical space. It's a skeleton version of it. but um, So that it matches what's happening in the game, like what they've designed in the game. But it was a lot of fun, man. Um, it went on forever and ever. Uh, it's It's... It's hilarious. I, I get a lot of, uh, you know, my my reel is on YouTube, and I'll get like some random dude in Kazakhstan. It's like, hey, dude, what's up, Lester? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. So, uh, uh, does your does Lester look like you? Yeah. Oh, totally. He does. He looks like a. Um, he's physically disabled, so he's got like a limp. He's like me with a limp and blonde, almost shaved hair. Huh. It's weird. Um, it's it's really strange seeing yourself in that animated way. It's you, but it's also not you. You know, it's once somebody sent me a photo of a dude on an airplane, just like random guy in the world sitting there in the airplane that actually looked more like Lester Crest than I do. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, very, he, and he was signing autographs. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Jay Kleitz. <laughs> he had a little name tag. I'm yeah. Lester Crabb. <laughs> that's, wow, that's, that's amazing, dude. Um, it's funny how things that you just never know how big something's going to be. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I, when I auditioned for it, um, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be a day of work or a million days of work. Yeah. You know, it, um, it turned into a whole thing. And so there, there's three characters you can actually play like that you as the player manipulate going through this world. Uh, and then there's sort of the second tier of main guys that help you along. I'm in that. And okay. Lester is their like uh, dude that helps them plan the big heists. And, and he's like the, the brains of the operation kind of character. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Um, okay. So why did you choose? Well, first of all, where are you from? Uh, I grew up mostly in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, my family, I'm a, I was born in Georgia and that's where all my family's at now. But uh, I grew up mostly in Jacksonville. And you, uh, why did you choose New York instead of L.A.? Uh, you know what, man? The when we were we meeting my class, were at at the program at Harvard. Um, we wanted to do a showcase in L.A. and New York, uh, and they kind of shut that down a little bit, which uh, is still disappointing. Um, so we only had the showcase in New York. Uh, and of course the year after they started doing the showcase in both. So, you know, basically like grad school filtered me out of Boston and and into New York. That was, you know, kind of, kind of the only choice I had, which was, you know, I was cool with. And so Um, were you represented at the time of the showcase? No, I had, I had never lived in New York. I'd never like been on a professional audition, nothing. Uh, but I had a, a commercial, I signed with Abrams, uh, right out of the showcase. So they've approached you and said, we want to represent you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they they leave those, like they leave literally like a clipboard with your name on it. And if an agent likes you, they'll put their name and phone number and you call and set up a meeting. And luckily Abrams liked me and, and I could I can't say enough good things about the Abrams commercial department. I've been with them almost 13 years now and uh, they've always treated me right. Cool. And when I, here's like a, a fun point for all the, the new actors in the world. Never look down your artistic nose at commercial work because that shit will come back around for you in a good way. Meaning um, when I went in for High Fidelity, my first Broadway show, uh, nobody knew who the fuck I was. Like I was new dude on the scene, you know, uh, and my initial legit agent kind of sucked and only ever got me out on a couple auditions. Even though I booked a law and order with them, they still didn't get me out. So when I when they were thinking about hiring me for High Fidelity, they called my commercial agent to be like, who is this dude? And my Tracy at, at Abrams was like, oh, he's great. He's so funny, blah, 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 and really like stood up for me Yeah, and uh, played an important role in, in terms of me solidifying getting that job. Yeah. So uh, I'm always very eternally grateful to, uh, to my commercial reps. I also think that... Um Sometimes you talk to newer actors and they say that they don't want to do commercials. And I just think like, have you ever seen a paycheck from a commercial? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, yeah, that's exactly right. Like don't don't look down your artistic nose at a baby. Like it's, I'll tell you this, it's fucking better than waiting tables. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like, yeah. you know, and, and look, I actually am a dude that kind of enjoyed waiting tables. Not that I would seek to do that with my life, mm-hmm. you know, g- given the option, but, um, it, it's a hell of a lot better. And, and, you know, like it leaves you with time to do thing, pursue your real dreams, you know, yeah. like 
it doesn't take me all day to go on a few voiceover auditions or to do a voiceover booking or like you shoot a commercial for a day or two and then you're done for a while. You know, like it, mm -hmm. it gives you the money and the time to pursue your, your legit acting desires. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, can you take me through sort of a history of the, the network shows that you've done? Sure. Um, the, the very first thing I did was uh, I, I played a, a cop on Law and Order, like you do, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and, and I got to use the word. So in the scene, I uh, <laughs> I find the dead body. Like that's I'm playing the cop who found the dead body, and the guy is in a stairwell of an apartment building with his dick out because presumably he was doing something naughty with it, right? Mm -hmm. And it was uh, it was criminal intent when Katie Urban, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio were on, mm -hmm. and they come up, and I'm like the you know five lines and under cop explaining how I found the body, and in referencing his penis, I had to use the word jingus, J I N G U S. I've never heard jingus before. <laughs> I've never heard jingus either, ever. And my buddies to this day, years later, like my buddies from back home will like crack Jingus jokes and like bust my balls about it. That's uh, great. Was Jingus oh, in the script? Was that written in the script? Written in the script. Jingus. In fact, I went in for another role on the show like a couple years later and and I had a callback for it and I was like, do they even realize that they've used me already? I mean, shit, I'm not going to say anything. If they hire me, they hire me. Yeah. Great. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there in the callback. And like we do it and, you know, it goes well, it's fine, whatever. And then this guy in the back of the room kind of like leans his head over and goes, oh, you're the Jingus guy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm the Jingus guy. He's like, I wrote that line. And then you went over and slapped and, him. Yeah, right. And then they didn't hire me because I was the Jingus guy already. Oh, man. It must have been one of those things where it was like they're trying to pass all these words. I can just imagine them like sending over an email that just says like cock question yeah, mark. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Wang no. question mark. I don't know. Junk question mark. 27 emails later. I don't know. Right. Jingus. Like, <laughs> oh, Jingus is good. Jingus works. That's hilarious, dude. Okay. Yeah. So after that, uh, Oh geez. Let's see. Um, you know, funny, a lot of my guest star roles revolve around the penis because I think one of the things I did after that was what's the Slurry show? Rescue Me. Yeah. Uh, oh, I saw I saw I, this uh, this scene online. It's hilarious. Oh, you saw the clip? Yeah, I play a chronic masturbator in that yep. scene. Uh -huh. uh, funny moment. I did. Um, You're being tight. I just want my pants back. Um, at a really funny show, playing a weed dealer who was sick and insisted that the guy who was buying weed from him give him a, a massage uh, to make him feel better. It's real weird. Uh, yeah, I did an episode of Elementary playing a dude in the in the morgue. Oh, what's the other one? Body of Proof was one. You know, mm -hmm. I played a, a dude in the police station, tech guy. I go in for a lot of tech guy, you know, character actor, sure. dudes that know about computers, which is ironic because I can hardly turn one on. But yeah, that's th those are my guest stars. And uh, oh, you know, recently I've been I did a couple days on uh, the Get Down, which is that new. Netflix show, the Boz Lerman uh, hip hop show. Yeah, uh, and then I've got a nice recurring on vinyl. How, tell me the story of how vinyl happened. Uh, you know that the, the uh, Meredith Tucker brought me in for it, um, and they, you know, I, I've been going in for them for a while, and they're always cool to me. And um, you know, uh, like the 
the rock star thing I was talking about earlier, like I went in for it and it was a cool scene. Uh, looked like a nice little part. Didn't know if it was going to be, you know, one episode or, I mean, you know, didn't really know that much about it. Um, I ended up booking it and I didn't even have a callback. I mean, they kind of knew me from auditioning for other stuff or maybe seeing me in this or that. I, I'd auditioned for, um, uh, Veep, which I freaking love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was, uh, just sort of, I, I don't want to speak out of turn and put words in a casting director's mouth here, but, uh, it was, I think I was close to getting this role on Veep, but then they cut the whole storyline out altogether. So maybe they'd kind of, the HBO people had seen me from that. Mm. Um, I'm sort of extrapolating on my experience there yeah. and just wondering why they, you know, or maybe I was just so fucking awesome in the first audition they didn't need a callback. Right. <laughs> he said, patting himself on the back. Was, uh, there, was there a callback uh, scheduled? No, nothing. I just, I, and I didn't hear for weeks. I, you know, I had forgotten about it. Yeah. And suddenly they called me and they're like, yep, you're, you're the guy. And, and so then it, I booked it, and they told me right off the bat it was four episodes, and then it turned into five episodes, and then it turned into six. And it was really cool, man. Like the I, I can't overstate what an incredible experience it was working with HBO and the writers. You know, I, I think it kind of was going well, so they sort of gave me some extra stuff that was pretty crazy to do at the end of the season. I can't give away any spoilers, of course. Yeah. Um, but I got to do some some pretty fun, wacky shit towards the end um i can't wait to see it wow well congratulations first of all thanks man thanks it's it's super exciting we they just had the party friday night uh like the premiere party and you know got to do the red carpet and some press stuff and they screened the first two-hour episode and it is intense man i mean it is like pulse racing heart pounding rock and roll madness nonstop. It's not going to disappoint. Yeah. That's going to be a really popular show. I mean, what, what HBO show isn't popular pretty much. Yeah, totally. I mean, they're, they're the best man. Yeah, they they are the best. So tell me about, uh, your band future folk. So man, the, uh, you know, uh, when, when David Bowie passed last week, you know, I was thinking about this and uh, probably almost 12 years ago, I'd been here a year, maybe a little more. Um, I I took uh, this sort of spacey acoustic song. I, I had this idea. I wanted to like do a concept album about a, but an acoustic space traveler kind of thing. Um, and it was totally because I was listening to too much Bowie and looking to rip him off. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I took that song to my buddy Nils, who uh, I I co-written and co-directed and starred in a one-act musical called Who is Wilford Brimley, the musical um, that we did at the Brick Theater in Williamsburg. And he played Steve Gutenberg and wrote the music. Um, He's a super talented musician. And so I took this song to him and was like, dude, I got this idea for this sort of spacey acoustic thing. And that eventually turned us, as as we kind of fuddled around with the idea, uh, turned us into future folk. Um, and we, we kind of had, the, the seed of it was the juxtaposition of earthy roots type folk music to futuristic space themed ideas, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our third friend who was also in Wilford Brimley uh, had been at some point a uh, substitute teacher in one of the projects he did with this 
kids in the classroom, like little kids, was cut face holes out of plastic buckets and make them into space helmets. So that's what we did. <laughs> and we, and we put on these stupid red jumpsuits and we wrote songs about like space worms and stuff like that. Um, it's amazing. And for, yeah, it was real weird. And, uh, you know, for a bunch of years, it was always just a, for funsies on the side kind of thing. And, you know, like I would get busy doing a show and we wouldn't play for months, you know, but we mm -hmm. could always come back to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and Nils was like, having a kid so we would like be off for a few months and then we'd come back and play a gig or two and you know we had a, a little weird fan base around new york city and uh at some point you know we'd been playing for years and our, our friends uh two buddies of mine that went to college i went to college with we were already all close friends who are filmmakers um like legit kind of up-and-coming filmmaker guys said, guys, we want to make a movie about future folk. And, of course, we were like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they kind of took our, um, you know, it's the majority of the future folk thing is what it was when we started almost 12 years ago. Uh, in terms of, like, us being space aliens, we always wore space buckets for helmets. We always wore all red. Um, we always had the name General Trius and the Mighty Kevin but we changed a little bit of the backstory. We used to have a time travel element in our backstory. That's expensive to shoot on film. Uh, sure, so, sure. so they were smart enough to kind of uh, write that out. And, and they, they uh, one, John Mitchell wrote it. Jeremy Walker produced it. And then they co-direct the two of them together. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was one of the dreamiest, coolest things I ever did in my whole life. Because it was, um, you know, I was making a movie about my silly space band with a bunch of my best buddies and like it was a very family kind of ordeal like I, I knew half the crew you know I knew so many of the people involved um just like we were all like a bunch of kids that lived in Williamsburg and we were making movies and shit yeah um and it was amazing and then the, the movie you know it, it did surprisingly well for itself uh we got some nice traction doing the film festivals thing and we opened up at the LA film festival and um really got going at the fantastic fest in austin and then we we got some distribution and we played um i think it was a, like a dozen cities we were putting in you know indie house type theaters uh and then they put us on on demand you know like on cable yeah and then they put us on netflix yeah that was like by far and away the best thing for it it was crazy like our facebook twitter stuff I mean, it quadrupled almost overnight huh. when we hit Netflix. And it just something about the movie fitting into their algorithm of, you might like this because you watched that. Sure. I think it oh, just sure. came up a lot. Plus the, the little thumbnails, you know, that you see of each movie. Like when you see two dudes in like red space buckets, it just yeah, kind of popped. Totally. So, you know, uh, I think that just really set it off. And that led to us doing a a tour the summer before last um, we did a 10 city tour and we'd screen the movie and then play live afterwards this media company set that up for us and um just the two of us went with jeremy the guy that directed and produced the film and that was amazing and and we're sort of right now working on the the next uh piece of the future folk life um which i got to keep a little cap on right now sure. but uh 
knock on wood, hopefully, you know, it's, it's been amazing. It's like the gift that keeps on giving that we never thought would give anything in the first place. <laughs> like we were just a couple of dudes like drinking beers and in the basement and <laughs> yeah. like, playing these dumb space alien folk songs. And here we are, you know, 10, 12 years later and it's still going in a, in a weird way. That's unbelievable, man. I guess you just got to keep doing what you love and yeah, you know that. I mean, to to any of the new actors listening to this thing, I I, I always say one of the most important things, maybe maybe the most important thing you can do, is to make your own shit. Do not wait around on auditions to do it. Not only because sometimes it does actually lead to uh, important professional uh, moves, but also it just keeps your mental and emotional life intact. So you're not always sitting around worrying about whether or not your agent's calling you about this audition or that audition, you know. Totally. It gives it gives you the the ability to keep flexing your creative muscle and and uh, just make your own thing, man. Yeah. Yep, I completely agree with that, and I've had a bunch of other guests say that exact same thing. Um, so uh, let's talk about some uh, milestones in your actual acting ability. Are there times where you can think uh, where you hit a breakthrough? where you, maybe you were struggling with a specific thing and um, then all of a sudden somebody taught you something or you learned something when you were on stage or on set or something and something just clicked and you were like, I understand now. So, you know, being a character guy, uh, comedy, of course, has been my bread and butter over the years. Uh, and that's something I I would say that I was more or less born with. Uh, that, that's been my sort of innate instinct mm. uh from the start um doing drama is actually i think i uh, creatively i'm more interested in that now and and enjoy it even more now because comedy i know i can do i love it don't get me wrong i freaking love doing stupid fall over a banana peel comedy yeah uh but you know I, I, when i went to grad school when you want to do like a, a 17 hour uh, interview, I'll tell you all about grad school and what a fucking shit show it was. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, however, one of the things, and in fact, I would almost say like the most important part of it for me as an actor was um, getting into my dark side a little bit, partly because it was such a grueling schedule. I don't, I don't want to sound negative or like, I don't want to be a jerk here, but uh, I didn't like a lot of the energy around me. I didn't like a lot of the people, frankly. Mm-hmm. And it was a kind of, there was a lot of messed up things about the program. We went to Moscow for three months. That place in 2002 was a dark and terrifying. I mean, I could spend 12 hours telling you about all the violence I witnessed, and like it was crazy there. It was crazy. Yeah. And we came back, and I got to do this play, Mud, which is a freaking brilliant play and and i got to play it this is i'm still in grad school at this point the last year and it was a very dark very dramatic play and i played a very not good person uh and i think my experience um growing you know i grew up in florida dude like on the beach you know it was a lovely way to grow up it was very chill uh i miss it a lot but um in terms of growing as an actor you know the there's something about the experience you get of like kind of going to the dark side that you can never learn in a classroom. You know, you got to go out in the world and do it. Um, 
that I was able to bring to that character. And I've rarely gotten that chance in my professional life because, like I said, the comedy thing's my bread and butter. Fine, great, happy to do it. Um, I got to do some of it in vinyl, which was really nice. You know, I, I can't talk about it so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, but I, I got to get into some dark shit. And uh, I think it's important as a human uh, first and also as an actor to sort of be aware of that what what what's in you um, i think we all have that yeah um so i think those moments were the moments when i sort of uh had a breakthrough and was like oh i can do this other thing too i have that in me and i have the experience to draw from and uh and i'm interested in exploring that what are your what is your favorite thing about acting be that the business or the life of it um and what is your least favorite thing? My favorite thing is that I ain't doing anything else. Um, that I've got a life where, and look, you, you know, I always have to be prepared for the possibility that, you know, work sucks for a while and I got to go back and wait tables or something for a while. But it's been a handful of years since I had to do that. And, you know, I, I've made a life as an actor and I feel pretty confident now that I'll be able to keep it up to varying degrees. Yeah. I've been around and people know, you know, yada, yada. I'm just so grateful and thankful that um, I don't have to do other stuff that I don't love. Yeah. And it's a beautiful gift to, you know, roll out to a couple of voiceover auditions. Now I'm home. I can do this interview with you. And then afterwards, I'm going to pick up my guitar and play some songs, maybe write something. Or I might sit down on my computer and work on the script that I've been writing. Um, and to just... My favorite thing is the freedom to be an artist. And I think for a long time, I never considered myself an artist. I still have a sort of weird feeling about that word because I think mm -hmm. it's so loaded and like, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm also very much just a dude. But mm -hmm. I'm a dude that likes to create shit, you know, and I'm very thankful and excited to have the kind of life where I have the time to do that. Uh, my least favorite thing about it, waiting. And I've gotten really good at it. Over the years, I think one of the most important skills you can have is, as an actor professionally, is to be able to go into an audition and walk out and forget you ever did it. Yeah, you know the the, the you're going to kill yourself emotionally and mentally if you are like constantly going, "Did I get that job? Did I get that job?" Worrying about it, you got to like yeah. do it and let it go. Yeah, and ninety percent of the time, I couldn't tell you what I auditioned for last week to save my life. Yeah, it's a skill that I've harnessed <laughs> uh but there are certain jobs you know i had a call back for a pilot monday still waiting to hear anything and it, and it sucks <laughs> it yeah. sucks waiting like tell me no if it's no that's i can deal with that but tell me something you know yeah <laughs> you know like uh and oh christ no offense to the casting people etc i get it sometimes they can't say for this reason or that reason right um uh, but the waiting sucks, and it's, you know, I don't even mind the gambling part. Like I said, it kind of appeals to people who enjoy that life where you never know what's going to happen. Like, I'll, I go in for auditions, I book it or I don't. That's okay to me, but having to wait sometimes for the ones that you really care about is, uh, yeah. it's tough not to worry about it. Yeah, I, um, this is, for all the, the people listening to this, start developing the skill of, of what Jay was just talking about. Like, that, like, Take that very seriously, or else you're yeah. gonna get chew. You're gonna chew yourself up, and you're gonna you're not gonna make it. Like literally, yeah. your, your psyche 
will not be able to handle it if you don't practice the skill of um, not not getting too excited for stuff before That's you right. have it, um, right. and like uh, basically assume you don't have it. Just as, just right. try to like try to know you didn't get it. That's and, right. And then really get good at forgetting things. Like be very happy with yourself if yep. you forget about something and then you get a call back or something. That's like, right. And if you and honestly like be upset with yourself if you get disappointed. That's right. You need to develop this skill. It is That's so right. important. It is so important. Yeah. Be madder about you getting disappointed than you not getting the job. Exactly. Yeah. Cuz the truth is like it is very rare that there's a role that only one person can play. You stick around long enough, the guys that don't drop out or go home, like, you know, I, I see the same dudes at auditions all the time. The truth is, me and this other handful of dudes, we could all do the role. We'd all be great. It's fine. So don't be mad about not getting it. Be mad about, like, being pissed off and worried about it because yeah. you weren't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And it, it's something that is important on both ends of the audition. It's not just about you worrying about it afterwards, yeah. but going into the audition, if you're worried about it, people smell desperation, man. And there are they sit behind that table or behind that camera, and 400 people come into that room in a day, and every one of them is dripping with desperation for this job. So if you can be the one dude or the one chick that walks in like, no big deal, let's do this. That was fun. Later, you know, people know that they are. They, people love that. Like they can sense that. And they want to work with that. They want to work with somebody who's able to like take it a little easier and not be so like insane and desperate for the the work. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, that's so true. I've heard that from every casting director I've ever talked to, every commercial director. I mean, yeah. every single person you hear you talk, I talk to in this industry says that exact same thing, and it's so true. And the stuff that. I've booked, and probably the stuff that you booked, it's the stuff that you don't care about. Or at least oh, the totally. stuff where you, I mean, especially when you're first starting out, it's like the stuff where you were, where you thought like, there's no way I'm going to get this. But okay, right. I'll, like I have some time, I'll go to the audition. And you go in and right. it's like, yeah, you want, should we do this? Okay. Yeah. And you do it, yeah. and then you get it. And it's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I yeah. can't tell you how many times I booked something, and like I went to the callback, I don't know, I was like a little hungover, yeah. like... Yeah, I was like twenty minutes late. Like whatever, you know. Yeah, like, it's when you don't give a shit that you book it. I remember going in for a commercial. I was uh, twenty six at the time, and I was supposed to play a father uh, with a wife um, and kids. I think that one of the kids was fourteen, and the other one was like thirteen, and I was twenty six. Right. Uh, <laughs> and a little young, Dad. My uh, my agent was like, "Just go for this," and I was like. Because she had sent me for stuff that I didn't think I was right for uh, before. And I always willingly went. And I was like, this one, I was like, come on. I was like, come right, on. And right. uh, I went in and I got it. <laughs> no shit, did you? Yeah. Oh, man. 26. They kind of covered me up a little bit in the final thing. I think they maybe realized, like, yeah, he looks yeah. like he could a be there. A little young. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's, yeah, it's, it's so true, man. It is so true. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, can you think of anything that uh, that you think that other people think is crazy when it comes to this business? Oh yeah, I mean, it, all you know, c civilians think that it's I call like non-actor civilians, right? Yeah. Civilians think that um, never knowing where your next paycheck is coming from is insane. I mean, that that's the first thing everybody is like, oh my god, I can never live like that, you know, like. Whereas I'm kind of like, I don't know, I dig it. Like it's, 
maybe that's like a weird masochistic way to <laughs> live your life. But um, that that's the thing that I think freaks everybody out about the idea of like never knowing when you're going to have your next job. Like I might work tomorrow or I might work six months from now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that's what freaks most people out. But that's the big trade-off, you know. Like they also have to like sit in an office all day, or you know, not that those people don't necessarily love what they do. They very well might, but mm. it's just different priorities. I'd I'd rather be free to like do my weird stuff and yeah, take the risk of not knowing when I'm going to work. Yeah, than not. Yeah, if you can uh, if you can handle your money, which is another thing that yeah, I'm I wish I was better at it. Like I'm I'm still really learning how to do that, but um, totally. If you can if you can you know if you get a commercial. You know, assume it's going to be your only commercial for the year. And That's right. Try to budget for that, and then if you can do that, yeah. If you can, you know, you can keep the money in the bank and and live, right. live below your means. Totally. Then you yeah. can fucking do anything you so want. To all those new day. actors, save your damn money. Yeah. Don't blow it in the bars. Yep. I know you're gonna want to. <laughs> <laughs> also, this this is something I've like only recently at friggin' thirty seven years old trying to like handle finally if, if you have student loans and i mean who doesn't at yeah. this point if you have student loans because this is a business where you get like a flood of money and then you don't get shit for a while put a chunk in savings but pay your damn loans off now mm-hmm. looking now at the amount of interest i've paid versus what i've paid off of the loan i mean it makes my heart sink like it is yeah. brutal when you get a chunk of money save some Put some into your student loan, paying it off. Pay yep. that shit off, and don't yeah. run up your damn credit card bill. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you something, kids. Yeah, <laughs> like no man, it's angry old grandpa. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> All right, Jay, I don't, I don't have too much. Uh, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I just got a couple more questions for you. Yeah, man. Between the time that you booked your first network show, a day player under five show, between that time and the time that you booked vinyl what or no, no no what would you what would you have told the person right around the time that you booked that first show what advice would you have for that person oh that's a good one uh, i'm sitting up to think hard <laughs> uh, shit man well i kind of just said this but i i, I would have said because there have been points where i had some decent money in the bank and I saved some of it. I spent a bunch of it. I should have paid off my damn loans. Yeah. Because you get, I, and I would have all that money I spent, I've accrued on the interest. I would have that money today. Yeah. So long term, that's what I would have said. Second thing I would have said, don't you dare give up on future folk because it, it's been a freaking blessing. Um, and I didn't. Thank God. But there were times where like we hadn't played for a while and you know, we were busy doing other stuff and kind of felt like it was dead. But oh somebody wants to play this gig. All right, we'll get you know, we'll uh we haven't played for six months, but all right, what the hell, we'll do a gig, you know. So I would have reminded myself to keep that up. And then I would just said, Don't worry about it, dude. Keep having fun. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh last question for you. So um do you think that that guy that we were just talking about, yourself 10 years ago or, or whatever, could that person have walked into, um, if, the, if the specs fit, uh, could that person have walked into the vinyl audition and booked it? Would that person have done it? Would that Jay have done it? Mm. I, th- I think he could have. 
I mean, f- I was pretty quick to pick up on the thing of chill out at the audition, relax, like don't worry about it too hard because that's what they want to see. I mean, you know, like I said, dude, I grew up in Florida. It was both the South and a beach community. It was very freaking chill. Yeah. So I, you know, I've kind of just, have always been a dude that didn't worry too hard about stuff. Um, so when I, I think I pretty quickly realized that, um, that was a, a major asset in this thing, this game. So I think so. What I don't know if I could have done was once I got on set, worked a day here, worked a day there. And then they, you know, I, I guess whatever, it was going well. So they wrote some other stuff that went a little deeper, a little more dramatic. I'm not sure I could have pulled that. In fact, I know I couldn't have pulled that off in the same way. Mm-hmm. But now I'm older and uh, I've been to dark places and I've lost people and I've gone through breakups and I've experienced the hurt that we all do in our lives. And I think that's what we do as artists. We bring that that hurt to the role and it's partly us dealing with it doing that and it's also us um showing others that we all deal with that and it's okay to have that to feel that and to need to deal with it so i don't think i could have pulled that off like those later darker moments yeah um the initial thing i think i could have done cool all right, man. Well, any uh, any last any last words for the acting the acting community that's listening to this? Um, yeah, don't, save your money. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't be a dick. Watch Jay on the new HBO show Vinyl, premiering on Valentine's Day, and check out Jay's band Future Folk at futurefolk.com. Say hi to him on Facebook and Twitter at future underscore folk. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.